Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. I'm talking about the fear of stepping out, fear of doing the right thing, fear to share your faith with someone, fear to speak out about injustices that are happening, fear to to stop a vile wickedness that you see taking place, or even just the fear of trusting God in the midst of hard times. Stuff happens in our lives that we have absolutely no control of fear comes into our life. Beloved, you need to understand that when those events happen in life, you are not alone. It's amazing how quickly fear can overtake you in life. There were moments that even brave, bold Paul experienced fear in his ministry. There were times God needed to comfort Paul. There were times God needed to encourage Paul to keep speaking boldly for Christ. And Pastor David will challenge you today to remember that God promises to always be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. What confidence can you have in these promises? He will be with you. He will comfort and encourage you in all he calls you to. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 18 as he continues his message, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. now able again on a a daily basis to go all throughout the city of Corinth to be able to share with them the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And as he's doing this, as he's ministering to the multitudes there in Corinth, guess what, gang? The enemy did not like it. The enemy of our souls did not like the fact that the gospel was penetrating the darkness of Corinth. And so he stirred up the hearts of those non-believing Jews that were in the synagogue. Look at verse 6. And when they, the Jews, opposed him and they blasphemed, Paul shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean, and from now on I will go to the Gentiles. Now guys, these are words straight out of the book of Ezekiel, the words of Ezekiel himself when he spoke about that watchman on the wall. That again, as the watchman on the wall saw the enemy approaching, his responsibility was to warn the city that danger was approaching. That is the job also of those that are sharing the hope of the gospel. We are to be watchmen on the wall, to warn of coming judgment. And Paul says, again, I have done what I was supposed to do. Your blood now is upon your own head because you've rejected the message and you've rejected 
the messenger. And so he goes and literally dusts off the, the, the fellowship of these Jewish non-believers there in the synagogue. And he declared, now I'm going to turn my attention. We're going to turn the ministry to the Gentiles of the city. He had done the job of the watchman. He warned of the coming destruction. He shared with him the truth that salvation was found in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. But they ignored it. They disdained it. They came against it. And now the consequences of their own rejection and of their own rebellion was on the heads of the Jews themselves. And as Paul went out of the synagogue, his ministry moved from being primarily to the Jews now to the Gentiles all through the city. But an interesting point, look at what it says in verse 7. And he departed from there. He departed from the synagogue. And he entered into the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the very ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. You see the powerful thing that's going on right here. The, the ministry got moved, but it becomes a very positive thing. An important member of the synagogue, leader within the Jewish community, uh, Crispus himself, comes to saving faith in Christ in the midst of all of this. And now other Gentiles throughout the community, throughout Corinth, are coming to Christ. They're hearing, they're believing, they're being baptized. You have to understand, when we look at this, this unplanned, this what might have seemed to be an inconvenient uh, move from the synagogue because they rejected him. They rejected him because of the hardness of their own heart. Well, that inconvenience, that unplannedness actually opened up the gospel in a greater way to the whole community. Because again, Gentiles probably would not come into the synagogue, but it would be easy for them to come to Justice's house, Justice being a Gentile. So much that we could say about that. Again, how God, God will change our plans many times. How many of you in your life, God has changed your plans? Yeah, amen. Every, I think every one of us could probably attest to the fact, God, I had a great plan. We don't want to start that argument, do we? No, because again, God's plans are always better. Paul now teaching, he's sharing the gospel there in the home of justice, undoubtedly during the Sabbath day, but then throughout the week also sharing justice being a God-fearing Gentile. He would have been one that was attending the synagogue. He probably heard Paul as he taught there in the synagogue. Sometime during that time, most likely he had come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And as Paul then opens up the Old Testament scriptures, he still is showing these men that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Perhaps, again, from, from the teachings uh, that, that came from Paul, not only this God-fearing Gentile, but even Crispus, the, the synagogue ruler, came to a saving faith, the forgiveness of their sin, in understanding and recognizing the sacrificial death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only for those two men, but multitudes throughout the city of Corinth were now coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, and the church is being birthed there in Corinth. The amazing thing about this, when, when you read this, you realize Justice's home was right next to 
the synagogue. As a matter of fact, if you've got the King James Version, the King James Version says it was joined hard to the synagogue. Uh, it could have been even shared a wall. It's absolutely amazing how God had worked these things out. Long before Paul even got there, Justice was living next to the synagogue. His house wasn't down the street. It wasn't on the other side of Corinth. It wasn't out in the country. Long before Paul got there, Justice had this home right next to the synagogue. Justice became a God-fearing Gentile attending the synagogue. Here's the message, and now his home is open to the beginning of the church there in Corinth. I mean, think about it. You come to the synagogue this next Sabbath day, and out at the synagogue, all you see is a bunch of grumpy old men because things are not going the way that they wanted it to go. But right next door, things are happening at Justice's house. There are people coming in. The hope of the gospel is being taught. I believe that there would be an excitement. There would be just a, uh, the whole essence of what's going on at Justice's house would speak so dramatically opposed to what was going on in that synagogue. And because of that, those that were in the synagogue were so upset and angered against Paul. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, all of his household, many of the Corinthians, all of them coming. All of this, a powerful move of God. But yet, those Jews in the synagogue, they committed blasphemy. That's why Paul said, your blood is on your own head. How easily it would have been for Paul when he got to push back at the synagogue to say, okay, see you later and leave Corinth. I mean, Corinth was a dark city. It was a wicked city. It wasn't a place that you would really choose to be, but God. God had called Paul to be there in Corinth. God provided an open door for the gospel, even if it wasn't through the Jews and there in the synagogue, even through the fact that, again, the pushback was there. Paul remained faithful to continue to proclaim the hope of the gospel. And even though there remained that continued threat Paul remained obedient to God's call in his life. And at some time during that stay in Corinth, God had brought the apostle some really strong encouragement. Look at verse 9. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you for I have many people in this city. Why do you think God would tell Paul, do not be afraid? Well, the clear understanding is, is because Paul was probably afraid. I mean, it was a dark city. There was a lot of attack. There were a lot of threats that were going on him. But the Lord came to him in a vision, says, Paul, do not be afraid. I am with you. No one is going to attack you to hurt you. And oh, by the way, I have many people in this city. There was a plan and a purpose of God to bring many within that darkness of Corinth to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid. What a word. What a phrase that is. I am with you. What a confidence that had to be for Paul at that point in time. It never ceases to amaze me how fearful we can be. Okay, how fearful I can be. Maybe you're not fearful, I don't know. 
But I think if you're honest with yourself, I think every one of us, through life, fear has come into our life for one thing and another. Now, I'm not talking about fear of walking out to take the trash out at night and you're afraid something's going to jump out at you. Okay, that's one of my little fears. Uh, but I'm, I'm talking about the fear of stepping out, fear of doing the right thing, fear to share your faith with someone, fear to speak out about injustices that are happening, fear to, to stop a vile wickedness that you see taking place, or even just the fear of trusting God in the midst of hard times. I mean, stuff happens in our lives that we have absolutely no control of. And fear comes into our lives. Beloved, you need to understand that when those events happen in life, you are not alone. You are not alone. And it's not just your pastor that says, do not fear. It's not just your best friend that comes alongside of you that says, hey, don't worry about it. I'm here with you. No, these are the words of the Lord himself. This is the confidence that we can have when we hear Jesus's very words, when he declares, I will not leave you comfortless. It's the hope that we have when we know that Jesus told us, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. It's the encouragement that we have when we remember that the Lord declared, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know, there's enough evidence in the testimony of the saints down through the ages as well as the testimonies we read in the scriptures, that you and I should be able to, as believers, believers in Christ, believers in the word of God, we should be able to stand in confidence. Every time we seek to do the will of God or whenever we desire to speak out the truth of God, we ought to be able to do that in the fullness of confidence, that we can stand with that confidence knowing that God is standing with us and that God is empowering us to be able to do his will. Do you realize that God will never lead you into something that he will not empower you? that as he directs us in our lives by the power of his Holy Spirit, he will empower us, he will gift us, he will strengthen us to be able to do. That doesn't necessarily make it easy, does not necessarily make it a comfort, but beloved, it is a confidence that you and I can have that he is with us and his strength will surround us. I want you to think and understand, what does it mean, do not be afraid, do not fear? I did a real quick search of that, a Bible search of those two phrases, just those two phrases. Do not be afraid, do not fear. And I can tell you at this point, with just those two phrases, do not be afraid, do not fear, we could do a multitude of weeks, just a, a study of those throughout the scripture. And that's not to mention words like, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't have doubt. But just dealing with those two phrases, do not be afraid and do not fear. We all need to understand that God spoke those very words directly to multitudes of individuals within the word. 
multitude of individuals that you and I look up as, man, those are the strong ones within the word. Those are the powerful ones that we find within the Bible. Those that are listed in that roll call of the faithful of Hebrews 11, but a multitude of others as well. God spoke those words of do not be afraid, do not fear, I am with you. He spoke those words to Abraham. He spoke those words to Isaac. He spoke those words to Rachel. He spoke those words to Jacob, to Moses and Joshua. He spoke it multiple times. To Joshua, it's amazing. Moses spoke those words to Joshua, do not be afraid, be of good courage. The people spoke to Joshua, do not be afraid, be of good courage. And God spoke to Joshua, do not be afraid, be of good courage. And you think, wow, was this guy like afraid? Yeah, I think so. He's feeding a multitude of hard-headed, stiff-necked people into a promised land against what they already know. Yes, there's giants in the land. There are walled and armored cities in that land. No wonder he was fearful, but God told him, don't be afraid. I'm going before you. I'm fighting the battles for you. Do not fear. Gideon and and the other judges, we find those same words, do not be afraid. Many of the kings of Judah, again, the good kings of Judah, the, the southern kingdom, God had to speak those words to. Men like Jehoshaphat, when the armies were coming against him, so outnumbered the, the, the army of Judah. And what did Jehoshaphat fight the enemy with? Praise be the Lord, his mercy endures forever. Praise you the Lord, his mercy endures forever. His weapon against the enemy was praise to God. And they won that battle. God defeated the enemy for them. Again, Hezekiah, in the same way, do not be afraid. Most all of the Old Testament prophets needed to be encouraged. Elijah and Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and the others. In each one of their letters, we hear the Lord speaking to them, do not be afraid, do not fear. Why? Because they were stepping out in the direction that God had called them to, and there was great pushback. There was either pushback from the very people of God, or there was pushback from the enemies of God. And God was saying, don't be afraid. You go and you speak to the people what I tell you to speak. You go and do what I tell you to do. Stand against the enemy. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. I am with you. We get into the New Testament, and we find the Lord speaking direct encouragement. You remember Zacharias. He's there, man. He finally gets the opportunity to be the high priest of Israel, and he goes into the Holy of Holies, and he's doing his thing in there with the prayer and the incense, and all of a sudden, there's this huge angel, and God says, don't be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayers have been heard. You know, the multitude of prayers that you and I pray for the multitude of things that are going on into our lives. I think it's sometimes when God begins to answer it, and he's not answering in the way that we want him to, He's not answering it according to our plans, but he's answering it according to his plans. I think we can go into fear then too. This isn't happening the way that I thought it would happen. 
This isn't the answer that I thought I would receive. God says, don't fear, I'm with you. I'm working this thing out. You can trust me for this. Joseph, Joseph, (laughs) talk about a plan that's not working the way you wanted it to. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife and even Mary herself. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Those shepherds on on those hillsides outside of, of Bethlehem, the fear that was there when those angelic hosts showed. And the angel says, do not fear. It's amazing how many times even Jesus had to encourage his disciples, even while he was with them. He was physically with them, guys. And they were fearful. That's why he says, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Guys, they had little faith while Jesus was with them. How about you and I? And trusting him in every area, trusting him in every situation. When he says, I'm with you, he is still with us. He is the resurrected Lord. He's not dead and lying in a grave. No, our fear has no place. Why? Because Christ is with us. The very presence of Christ, the very power of the Holy Spirit is with us. He said, fear not, I am with you. The apostle Paul, here in Acts, he found confidence in the words of the Lord in his life and for his ministry. And despite all the wickedness and the vileness and the darkness of that city that God had placed him in to minister, uh, despite all of the attacks and the threats of the Jews, his own countrymen, Luke tells us in that next verse, verse 11, and Paul continued there for a year and six months, held up, locked up inside Justice's house, afraid from everyone. No, that's not what it says, is it? No, he continued for a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. He had boldness, why? Because he knew that the Lord was with him and the Lord was strengthening. Church, more than any other lesson that I want you to realize that we are to remain faithful, but not on our own strength. We're to continue forward, but not on our own power. We need to continue on and understand, no, he is here with us. We need to rest in the faithfulness of God. Your fear has no place in the kingdom of God. Your fear and your anxiety and your worry needs to be continually laid over to Christ. He says, cast every care upon me because he cares for you. I don't know what you're worrying about or what what issues you're dealing with today, but I want to tell you on the full assurance of God's word that not only is God knowledgeable, intimately acquainted with that situation, but he desires to work in and through that situation to glorify himself and to strengthen you in your walk. When plans change, when circumstances kind of alter our, our, our course, when roadblocks seem to come in our way and, and blocking out the direction that we want to go, 
understand that maybe God has a better plan in store. And rest in Him. Rest in Him. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love, too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word.